0: If you guys have your bibles this morning. <laughs> you guys have your bibles this morning, turn to Romans chapter 5. Romans chapter 5. It'll be on the screen as well. I'm going to be reading from the New Living Translation. So um I'm excited about the opportunity to preach. I got to thinking how long has it been since I preached? And it's been 13 months before. I mean, since I've opened up God's word and brought a message and uh you know, this is I don't know if you guys know my testimony, I was was saved when I was 12, 13, Um, they had youth vacation Bible school back then, which is crazy, as a youth pastor, I would never do that, I thought, uh, (laughs) but anyway, I had youth VBS, and I'll never forget a lesson I had one night about just the importance of reading God's word, and so at the age of 13, I hated reading, my mom was a school teacher, so she made me read all the time, so that was my rebellion, no, I'm not going to read, and uh (laughs) But I made a commitment to read the Bible every night. Um, my parents weren't Christians, and so I had to go to bed at 9 o'clock every night. And so from 9 to 10, I just spent in God's Word. Um, and uh, and I would read God's Word. Um, on WDJC, they used to have a guy that would read God's Word. Um, and so I'd listen to James Dobson, and then I'd listen to that guy read God's Word, and I just kind of bathed in that, you know. And I remember being 14, God... Uh, one night came to me, I, I, I don't know how else to say it, I mean he spoke to me. I, it wasn't an audible voice like I'm speaking now, but it was a voice in my heart, in my head. It was in, in my body. I could just hear him just say, Billy, I want you to preach. And I was like, do what? I, he's like, I want you to preach. And I'm like, I, I don't know about all that. you know." And so I, I thought through that and I thought, well, maybe that's not God. Maybe that's just something I want to do. And um, that happened for three nights, and and I struggled and wrestled with that whole idea. Every night after I'd read the Word, God would come to me in that way. And I, I remember on that third night just kind of going, okay, God, whatever you want, that's what I'll do. And, um, and so he then confirmed it through a pastor because even after I agreed to doing it and I felt peace in my soul, I still thought, well, I'm 14. I do not need to tell anybody this. This is crazy. They'll think I'm crazy, 14-year-old wanting to preach. And uh, and I'll never forget, the preacher preached a message on a Sunday night, like a week later, that said, whatever age you are, God will use you. And then after that message, he came up to me and he said, Billy, I want to know, when are you going to start preaching? And I was like, do what? <laughs> He's like, God has spoken to me. and oh no way that's craziness you know and uh i didn't say that <laughs> but you know i say like you know that's what i thought as a 14 year old boy and then uh, it was just a few weeks later he let me get up and preach and i preached like five minutes and uh, <laughs> and i haven't preached that short since <laughs> okay but um yeah you know, but i was scared half to death um but don't be afraid i don't i don't preach a long time but i'm going to just try to say what god would have me to say this morning I'm going to go to the Word of God, and that's, we're going to sit on this text, and we're going to squeeze it until we get all the goody out of it for a minute um, because it's important, I think, to look at God's Word because my opinion means nothing today. I'm a flawed human being that stands in need of a, a, a faithful, holy. preach was out of Romans 5, what I want you to preach today. So let's go there together. Romans 5, starting with verse 6, going through verse 8, it says this. When we were utterly helpless, Christ came at just the right time and died for us sinners. Now, most people would not be willing to die for an upright person, though some might perhaps be willing to die for a person who is especially good. But God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we are still sinners when I was in sixth grade, um, I, I really, you know, sixth grade, I would not noticed girls yet. I mean, I, I mean, I noticed they were girls, but I didn't, you know what I mean by that. And, uh, but there was this little girl that she, I guess, I don't know if she was blind or something. She had not gotten glasses yet. She had a crush on me. Okay. And so she, she asked me for my phone number one day. I didn't even know what, why she want my phone number. That's, that's really weird. She wasn't my phone number. I don't know why she wanna call me, because I don't talk on the phone, but okay, yeah, that's great. So I gave her my phone number. And I'll never forget that night I get a call. And my mother, she was like, like ecstatic. She was like, This is awesome, my son. He's he's getting called by a girl. This is she's like, Billy, oh Billy, come come here. And he's like, it, It's a girl. <laughs> so I was like, okay. So um so she's on the phone. So I'm like, "Hello," and and you know, I I, I was that nerdy guy. You know, later on, I, I mean, I had to like write out notes so I could look at it to see what I say next. You know, <laughs> I didn't want there to be that awkward silence in the conversation. But I didn't even know she was calling. So I talked to to and and her name was Kelly, um, but we always and at the house refer to her as Kelly P because Kelly called once. Okay, right. And so I got off the phone. It lasted like two minutes. Okay, I'm off the phone. What did I say to her? I don't know. You know, I ain't got nothing to talk to her about. And then all of a sudden, I'm talking about like a minute later, the phone rings again. And so my mom's like, she goes, hello? Oh, Kelly, I'm so glad you called. That's awesome. I don't know if she did that, but anyway, that's, so I was like, so she calls me to the phone. So I go to the phone and so I answer the phone. Hey, Kelly, how you doing? Yeah, we just talked a few minutes ago. It's like, all right, it's good to talk to you. And I hung up the phone. That was it. Bye bye. And then Kelly calls again. And then Kelly calls again. And then it gets to a place where my mother's like, Billy, tell her to stop calling. I mean, she went from, whoo, this is so awesome to, I'm going to kill you, that girl. Do not give your phone number to a girl. She, for whatever reason, that night, the only time in my life I've ever had a woman pursue me was in that moment. And, <laughs> and she was. I mean, just, I'm talking about, she was wanting to talk to me. And so, and maybe it was just that I, I wasn't talking to her and she wanted to talk some more. But whatever reason, she was pursuing me. I look at this passage tonight, and in no way am I describing God as a middle school girl, okay? Um, but I am saying today that God desires to pursue us. He pursues us. He, ha- he, he seeks after us. I mean, what God would leave the glories of heaven and come to this earth? What, what God would leave the right hand of his father and say, okay, dad, I'm going to go get him. I'm going to bring them back. And not only did he do that, but just like Nelson preached a few weeks ago, God said, hey, I'm going to take on their flesh, their body. I'm going to take it on, and I am going to become them because I want them to know how much I love them. You know, this morning I want to say to you that God is God, and he alone is God. And God is the only one in our life that can fill that void that's in us. We all have a God-shaped void. I know we've heard this before, but we have this empty spot in our life that only God can fill. I look at this passage this morning in verse six where it says, when we were utterly helpless, Christ came at just the right time and died for us sinners. God is God and we are helpless. There is nothing I can do. Now, I live in a day and an age where people are, they have support groups, and it is all about finding yourself, being whole and complete with yourself. But at the end of the day, we are helpless. There is nothing you and I can do to make things right in this life. I, if that's news to you, I'm sorry, but there's not. I, and you can't, you can't read any self-help books that'll get you just right where you need to be. If you want to get lined up in life, the first thing we got to realize is, hey, we are helpless. Right here in this passage, we were utterly helpless. Utterly. I can't climb out of this hole that I'm in. There's not a ladder available. There's not a rope. There's not anything I can do to get out of this. But I love this. God is on time. I mean, we're helpless, We are utterly helpless, but Christ came at just the right time and died for us sinners. I mean, right when we needed Jesus, he said, here I am. And I think that's how it is in every one of our lives. It's amazing to me that God could be personal with us 2,000 years ago and still be that kind of person today for each one of us. You receive Christ right when you need him, right in the moment, and he's on time. He's on time as far as salvation is concerned and he's on time as far as your life situations are concerned right when we were helpless right when we couldn't figure it out he showed up and took care of us god is on time in verse 8 it says now most people would not be willing to die for an upright person i remember the first time reading that and i was like yeah that's pretty powerful stuff i mean We're going to talk through this, you know, know, as as I read it. You know, it's like, maybe somebody would die if somebody, like, was a good person. You know, maybe. Like, if it's their friend, they might give their life. You know, most people would not be willing to die for an upright person. Though someone might perhaps be willing to die for a person who is especially good. But God... Showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die while we were still sinners. You know, God loves us where we are. He loves you today where you're at. It's taken me a little bit to figure that out. Um, I, I, after I got saved and I started reading scriptures, I, I, don't, I don't think I was legalistic, but I did really start leaning on my own moral high grounds, you know? I started as a as a kid I you know I just I I, I felt like okay th- this has got to be rules. And so I remember deciding, you know, my parents smoke so I'm not going to smoke, you know. There's drinking all in my life around my life people they're drinking I was like I I'm not going to drink. You know, I um and I set up rules and there's nothing wrong with that. But but I I live by those things. I remember being in high school, you know, and and peers and stuff talking about uh sex and things of that nature and so i i just said well okay well i'm gonna i'm gonna be a virgin when i get married i'm gonna i'm gonna stand on these things and i did stand on those things and i and i walked through that but i you know in the last few years you know i've slipped away from god and i've i've fallen in some areas of my life and i've i've messed up and things that that you know in 40 something years i've never done you know i find myself in a place where I've done them. And it's like, oh, dear God, you know, I, how am I going to live? Because I, you know, these were the, the morals and standards that I lived upon. And I had to come to that place where I realized I am utterly helpless. And I never at any time, even though I made good choices at one point in time in my life, I never was able to stand on one of those things. What does the Bible say in the book of Romans? All of my righteousness is as filthy rags. That's all it is. As good as I think I am, at the end of the day, I'm a rotten, dirty scoundrel. I'm failed and flawed. And I can hold on to me all I want to, but that's the problem because the minute I try to hold on to me, I'm going to crumble. But God... I can hold on to him. It's amazing to me that God will take us right where we're at. And I, I um, Faith went and bought me a banana earlier, but and I don't even know if this is going to work. It made sense to me in my head, so y'all just bear with me, okay? <laughs> um, you know, if if I'm making a banana pudding, which I really miss that. You know, my mom, she made a killer one. You know, it had a nice meringue on the top, all that stuff. But um, if I was going to make a banana pudding, I'm not going to leave it in this condition, right? You know that'd be nasty. If I eat this guy, I'm not going to, you know. I've seen, I've gone to the zoo and they throw them out there and they're (laughs) they're wearing it out, you know. No, I'm gonna I'm gonna peel it. I'm gonna take off all the 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 stuff that I'd say, hey, that's not that's not desirable, and I'm gonna remove that before I get to the good. I look at this passage and I think about us and I'm not trying to minimize who we are and make us a piece of fruit, but um, is a banana a fruit? Yeah, okay. (laughs) But anyway, I'm not trying to minimize who we are, but it's amazing to me that God accepts us in the form that we come in. God doesn't say, hey, I got to peel away anything, right? He's not saying, well, this has got to go before I accept you. No, he's, he's like... You know, I'm going to take you in the form that you come in. I'm going to take you just as you are. But he knows the good that's in us. He knows, um, and well, and we're rotten, but maybe a better way to put that, he knows our potential. He knows what we can create, what we can do in life. He knows who we are, but he takes us as we are. And then he begins a process of working on mine in your life. It's amazing to me that God will take us in that way and God will accomplish his will even though sometimes we're out of his will. To me that's sovereignty. I mean I know there are a lot of people that believe and you, you may do the same and I, and I don't have conflict with you today. I mean I know that some believe that God moves us as chess pieces in this game. But to me, it's almost more of a sovereign God to be able to allow us to move freely in a free will and still his will be accomplished. God is an awesome God. It's amazing to me that God can love us in the condition that we're in. Do we do that? No. I mean, just yesterday, I see somebody, I assess that person based upon the clothes that they wear, based upon... Whether they have a tooth in their head or not, or based upon you know you know how they smell, I I I, I make assessments about that person and what they can accomplish, it, how they speak, are they educated or not, I, and you know what they drive. We as human beings do that all the time, but God, He takes us in whatever state we are in, and He's good with that you look at the passage but God showed his great love for us while by sending Christ while we were still sinners by giving his, or when we're in this rotten state he took us in the condition that we're in I've heard the words I love you a lot in my life I've said them a lot in my life verbalize those words I love you I think about the relationship Jesus had with his disciples. Did he tell his disciples that he loved them? Yeah. He said, right now, and you look in John 14 and 15, he says, Hey, you guys are my servants. But now you're more than servants, now you're my friends. He's like, hey, don't let your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. in My father's house or many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. And I'm going to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself. I love you. I want you to live where I live. I don't want you to worry about it. I'm going to die, but hey, hang on, guys. That's not the end of the story. I care about you. He verbalized it. God's verbalized it to us. John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. He's verbalized it. But we see, we have a God in this scripture that not only says it with his lips, but he lived it out for me and you. He saw our condition. He said, I love her. I love her. Love him. And I'm going to die. I'm going to give everything I can give to call them to myself. God not only verbalized it, but he showed me and you that he loves us. So when we read these words, but God showed his great love towards us, these are not empty words. I don't know if you're like me. Sometimes... I take the cross for granted in the sense that it becomes a story that we tell, but we really don't think about the the brevity of it. We don't think about all that was said in that moment in the cross of Calvary. We don't think about just how much He paid and what He gave on the cross. Me personally, if I'm God. I'm going to have a difficult time humbling myself in the way that he humbled himself. At some point, if I, if I sprain my ankle, I'm lashing out at something. I'm hitting a wall or something, right? So if if somebody is beating me and, and cursing me and rejecting me and mocking me, at some point in time, it's on. I mean, there's going to be a lashing out, but Christ... The Bible says that he came as a lamb to the slaughter, just silently. I remember hearing a story of this guy. His job was to kill the lamb for, uh, I guess, uh, like a slaughterhouse. And um, he tells the story that his job is just to slice the little lamb's throat and let them bleed out. And one night he had done that. Um, to a little lamb he had taken and sliced its throat and he had moved on to the next task and that lamb, without him knowing, had come up to his side and was licking his hand. That's a picture of Jesus. He poured it out, all of it, for me and you. Everything. Everything. All we did is abuse him, beat him, curse him, hate him, despise him. And that wasn't just then, we do that today. And I'm not talking about the people outside these walls, I'm talking about the people inside these walls. We are all guilty. At best, we reject God's truth by our worries and our fears. And at worst, We reject God and we live in hypocrisy inside these walls and we do everything but live for God outside these walls. But God still loves us. That's amazing. We take and reject the love that he's gifted us with and we walk away. He still pursues us. Still chases after us. He still desires us. God died in our place um i 've shared this testimony in two thousand and eight. I was diagnosed with cancer. I was diagnosed with a kidney cancer um, when they told me that I had cancer, they said that it was in both of my kidneys and they weren't they weren't really sure where you know what the source was, but most likely with it being in the kidneys i mean that's uh, that 's where it was but with it being in both it meant it was had progressed to a place that was not good. Uh, Kidney cancer is a silent killer. I'll never forget the night that I was told I'd gone for a CAT scan because I had nine holes appear on my back, and they they couldn't get rid of them. They just were these holes. And so I'd gone for a CAT scan, and they had scanned my back trying to go, okay, let's look at this. I think maybe they thought I might have cancer on my spine or something like that. Well, they just happened to nick my kidney, like in the sense, like when they took the picture, they, they just barely caught a shot of the top of my kidney, my right kidney, and uh, so the doctor calls me at six o'clock at the house, and that's never good when the doctor calls you at six o'clock at the house. Um, he's like Billy, and I'm like, yeah, that's me. I uh, <laughs> hey, uh, don't really know what the nine holes are, but it looks like you got cancer, and so then uh, I went into the um, the the hospital and they did some located scans or, you know, really isolated that area to see what was going on. And my mom and I, we weren't really close uh, growing up. I was a Christian and she wasn't for a long time and there was conflict in her household and stuff like that. And there's just a lot of things that happened when she was younger too that, um, you know, messes with you and how you raise somebody. Um, but I, I remember... When she, when I call, called her and I told her I had cancer, that, that took her back, you know. And I seen her love me and respond to that in a way that I don't think I'd ever seen before. I'm like, okay, I wasn't expecting that. I don't know, I wasn't expecting her to say, well, hey, have a good day, and I hope it's, you it know, works out for you. I wasn't expecting that either, but I just wasn't expecting what she did. And then I saw my mom turn into a prayer warrior. And I remember her praying a prayer, Lord God, if if it's in your will, would you just give me the cancer? Take it away from my boy. Just Lord, I, I I'll take it. Don't 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 let him die. Um and uh you know, I had surgery. They moved the right kidney, and then when they looked at the left, they're like, you know, we don't see anything. There's a cyst there. I think we're good. And, and uh, you know, I'm here 2016, and I'm still cancer-free. A year later, though, I went to the hospital with my mom and my dad, and uh, my mom had had a, uh, a lump appear right here on her chest. Um and I remember sitting there with the doctor, and they they had done a little biopsy, and I was sitting there with them, and she comes back in, and she's like, uh, "Miss Smith, you've got cancer." And I, I remember them just, you know, just weeping, and just that whole process, and uh, or what happened that day. But you know, three years later, my mom died with cancer. Now, don't don't misunderstand me, okay? I don't I don't really believe that. Um, my mom took on my cancer. I don't even know if I could find that in Scripture, so I'm not, again, my opinion doesn't matter, and and so I'm not trying to suggest that today. But life situations teach us something. And that gave me a great image of what it meant for God to die in my place. You know, to recognize that you love someone so much That you would say, let me have it. All the the treatments, the radiation, all the just, all the hell that you're going to go through, let me have it. Let me have it. I'll take it because that's my boy and I don't want it. And as good as my mom was, how much more does God? Love me and you. Now, my mom, she's biased, right? (laughs) That's my boy. I love him because, you know, he, he looks a little bit like me. I brought him into this world. I was excited nine months carrying him and bringing him into this life. I love him. That's my boy. But God, how's he biased? I mean, because my mom, I could hide things from her, and guess what? I had, you know, in times. But God, he knows it all. But it's the same thing and greater when he says, that is my boy, and I'm going to die for him. We should never take the cross lightly. We should never take this truth lightly, (laughs) that God stepped in our place. He paid a price that we never could pay, Matter of fact, the price was so great, we would be forced to pay it for all eternity. And even then, it would not be good enough. I mean, there's not one person that's going to go to hell, and they're going to burn for a few years, and God's going to say, okay, that's good enough, come on out. No, it's eternal. Because that's the only thing, I mean, that's the only price that can be paid with the cross of Calvary, is that as a human being. We can never pay it. But Jesus sinless. Jesus, man, Jesus, God, climbed on a cross and he died for mine and your sins in a way that we never could. He paid a price that we could never pay. He stepped in our place. He said, that is my daughter, that is my son, and I'm going to give it all for them. If you don't get the point of the message this morning, God is pursuing you. Do you hear me this morning? He's pursuing you. I'm not I'm not talking about the masses. I'm no I'm talking about you. He's pursuing you. He loves you with that type of passion. He loves you. You are his. Please hear that this morning. There's a couple of things we need to do with this message today as I get ready to wrap it up. Jesus was asked the question one time, what are the greatest commandments? And he said this, he said, the commandments can be summed up in two matters, and that is to love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the second is like unto it, to love your neighbor as yourself. He said, if you want to understand what it is that I want you as humanity to get, is I want you to love. So it's not, it's not surprising that we come to Romans chapter 5, verses 6-8, through eight, and we see God not only verbalize love, but give us an example of what love should look like. Just like God is pursuing you and, you and I this morning, we should pursue him. Here's where we are. Either we come to Christ, or we become like Christ. And I'm Because I think there's two people groups here today. You know, either... Either this morning, with this message, either we come to Christ, because quite possibly in this room, there may be someone that you do not know Jesus Christ. Maybe you've been in church all of your life. You've been holding on to something, but it's not Jesus. Either we come to Christ, or maybe you know Jesus Christ as your Savior, and your responsibility now is to become like Christ. When Jesus talked about love, He loved people right where they're at. So this morning, I want to challenge you. I want to encourage you. I want to call out to you. If God is pursuing you, turn around. Let Him catch you. Matter of fact, run into His arms and realize He is like a loving parent that has given everything for you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord... For more information on Eagles Wing Church, visit our website at www.eagleswingchurch.org or on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash Wing Church. Thanks for listening and have a blessed week.